Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn, so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. We are now in the first week of the new year, and the start of any new year provides a good opportunity to reflect on the past and make plans for the future. As you know, on this podcast, we talk about different aspects of lifelong learning with a focus on learning at work. However, in order to be able to work and learn at our best, it is important to care for our overall health and well-being. But this is not the sole responsibility of the individual, as our environment, which includes our workplace, also has a role to play. As the first episode of 2023, I'm very pleased to have an expert in this field to discuss wellness at work and what organizations can do to incorporate wellness into the environment. Lydia DeFrancesco is a workplace health and performance practitioner and CEO of Fit and Healthy 365 in Ottawa, Canada. She has worked with corporate clients for over a decade to improve individual and organizational wellness. She is a weekly radio host of a wellness segment on Chin Radio, Ottawa 97.9 FM, and a regular TV guest expert on CTV and Rogers TV. She has also been published in national and local magazines. Thank you very much, Lydia, for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Kinga. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what do you do as in workplace wellness? What does that really mean? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So basically I've been in the wellness industry for over 10 years now. Uh, I actually got my start doing group fitness and personal training and really enjoyed that. And through my work, you know, dealing with and, and talking to, you know, hundreds of people, I realized a lot of people struggle with, uh, you know, a lot of the same things. And there's common challenges that people are experiencing personally and in the workplace. And so I uh, really transitioned into helping more people at once through my work with uh, organizations. And so I do work in a variety of different ways. Sometimes I go into workplaces to deliver wellness workshops. So, you know, over the pandemic, especially uh, stress was a huge one. Building stress resilience was probably my most popular workshop that I did you know, where I share over 10 strategies to help manage stress. Sleep is one of the things that really over the last five or plus years, I'd say I've, I've really come to learn from my own personal experience um, mm. that it is very important to get good sleep. And I, I do find that that's one of the pieces that's overlooked in terms of the wellness puzzle. So, and I have a whole other suite of workshops that I offer. I also work with companies to help them on the strategy side. And that's one of the things I know we're going to get into yeah. uh, as we get into this conversation today. But really, it's about helping organizations with the actual strategy piece of what does it mean to have a culture of wellness within their organization. Um, wellness programming, I view it as a separate thing from a strategy. Like wellness programming is the sort of wellness workshops and the benefits that you offer and maybe some other you know, different things. Maybe you have a yoga class or a fitness class or those types of things. And that's really, really great. But wellness, uh, you need to look at wellness from a holistic sense, like from 
the whole organization and how the organization functions. Yeah. And, uh, and so I like to help organizations dive deep into what are the things, you know, what are the factors internally within the organization that are maybe causing a lot of stress or causing people to be unwell. You know, we see levels of burnout and people taking short-term disability leave are on the rise. They're, they're just every other person I talk to, it feels like is taking a leave or, or there somebody in their on their team is taking a leave. Um, and, you know, this isn't sustainable just from a business sense, right? Like people, organizations need their people. It's really important for them to realize that there are some things that they can be doing. And I, and I know we're going to get into that. So I'll leave it at that for now. But yeah, that's the main way that I, I work with organizations and, and really help support them to support their people. Right. I love that. I really like that because you're not only looking holistically for the person, for the individual, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. also holistically for the environment in which they work, their organization, because such a huge impact on our wellness is not the responsibility is not solely on the individual. There's so much Mm -hmm. that you're being impacted by your environment. So I can't wait to talk more about that. First of all, tell me, what does wellness mean to you? For me, wellness is layered. It's not just one specific aspect that, you know, often we think about wellness as a physical thing. Um, You know, there's actually, you know, seven or eight, depending on who you ask, dimensions of wellness. And some of that includes things like financial wellness and social wellness and emotional wellness. So for me, again, it really is about that bigger picture of, yes, there's the physical side, there's absolutely the mental side, which is becoming more and more important these days. You know, there's a spiritual side, you know, and it doesn't, whatever that means to you there is like I said the social emotional so there's all different types of wellness and I think it's really about doing what you can to have the best you can be in that area and so sometimes certain people are great in one area like maybe for social wellness they're doing fine maybe they have a really good solid group of friends and they have that emotional support from their peers from family members and so that side of their wellness is doing well. And maybe the financial side isn't doing well. And, you know, what happens sometimes is when, let's say from the financial side, for example, you have that money stress, that's still a stress on you personally and on you mentally. And it can really then affect the physical side, for example. So if you're stressed about money and you're constantly worried about it, and then when you go to bed at night, you're thinking about all your money problems. And then you're not sleeping well, well, that's going to affect the physical side. And then if you're not sleeping well, that affects your eating. And then that can affect, you know, weight gain, for example, and then you don't feel good about yourself, like it all kind of everything is intertwined. And I think Mm -hmm. that's, you know, a lot of times we forget that all of these elements are not like single silos. And uh, again, that's why at the workplace, it is important, because again, even from the workplace perspective, everything is intertwined and interconnected. And I think it's that's one of the most important things to remember. That doesn't mean you have to work on everything all at once. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of definitely one of the things that I talk about, you know, when I am talking to employees is that, you know, we don't want to try and fix everything at once. We want to look at what is going to have the biggest impact or what is going to be an easier, quick fix type mm-hmm. of thing. Like what is something you can quickly adapt and change and learn some new habits and then have a nice solid win under your belt. Um, I'm sure for you with learning and you probably talk about how 
getting that first quick win can be really helpful to keep you going yes. on, on a journey that you're on, right? And it's the Absolutely. same for wellness. Having that quick win can be important. Definitely. Let's talk about the state of wellness in the workplace. What are you seeing? <laughs> what are some of the big things that you're seeing in workplace wellness? I'm seeing definitely high levels of stress, high levels of overwhelm. People are still overworking generally. Um, there's oftentimes not enough, like they have too much on their plate and they're not um, either able to figure out how to reduce the load or set boundaries or I don't, you know, it depends. It's different in every situation. Um, but I think we are seeing as we kind of have been sort of, I guess, let's say 2020, <laughs> have we been coming out of the pandemic slowly in some ways, you know, we're seeing, I think the load coming to fruition in a weird way. Like I think we've almost been for a lot of people bearing that load in an okay way. Mm -hmm. And then I think now it's like, you know, people are really, really just, it's, it's catching up, let's say, mm. um, that load. I, I, I think I, you know, we see that for sure in the workplace. There was a lot of talk over the pandemic about how, oh, it's an opportunity to slow down and because we couldn't do anything. But mm -hmm. that for a lot of people, there was no slowdown. And, and for many people, they were working more or they, if they had children at home, it was a different dynamic because they were dealing with that. And I think for many people, um, it wasn't a slower time and it just was more stress, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And so I think that from a mental health perspective, I think we're only just starting to see a lot of the ramifications of the pandemic and mm -hmm. of what that all meant for a lot right. of us, unfortunately, and I don't want to sound like a downer, <laughs> um, but I think we're, we're just sort of hitting that tip of the iceberg in terms of what this might mean for people. I mean, I, I have positive thoughts for sure in the sense that I think if we can really, you know, workplaces have amazing opportunity to change how we operate as a greater society from a workplace perspective. I think right. the discussions that we're having about remote work or hybrid work, in-person work, these are very, very important discussions to have. It's really asking the right questions and keeping wellness as part of the conversation for those questions and for that discussion. In that conversation, how does, of course, when you're talking about overwhelm and being exhausted and not having enough sleep and too much stress mm -hmm. and too much workload, mm -hmm. which a lot of surveys have reported that people have mm -hmm. said that they worked more hours uh, in the last few mm -hmm. years than they have before. What role does wellness have in you know, you can't reduce the workload. There is a lot of stress, but what are mm -hmm. some things that we should be considering in terms of how to still stay healthy and create a, an environment that is healthier? I probably say this a lot, but conversations and having these discussions ultimately are the most important part of it, or at least one of the most important parts, right? For so the organization with the employees. For the organ for the organization yeah. with the employees, for leaders with their mm -hmm. employees. Leaders need to be having these conversations um, with their employees. So for example, even talking about, uh, you know, boundaries and, and even from a workload perspective, right? Absolutely. I can definitely see how people would feel like they're working more, mm -hmm. um, especially if they've been working from home. Um, I think there are a lot of great benefits to working from home. You can have greater flexibility. But what I sometimes see is that 
this sort of quote, greater flexibility often results in doing more work because mm-hmm. you are home and your computer is super accessible. And uh, you might feel bad if you took extra time off during the day to do something else. And then you make up for it later in the evening, but you make up for it more than you need to, you know, for example, um, or sometimes with flexible hours, you know, if you're sending in, sending out emails later at night, because that's just how it was working for you with your day. Um, you know, others in the, in your team may feel that they need to be responding and they may be stressed about that and feel pressures. So again, having conversations about these types of things. So having, um, you know, even literally a conversation about, okay, what is generally speaking, everybody's working hours and knowing that, you know, Kinga, maybe for you, you're going to be sending a flurry of emails at 8 PM because for you and your day and your life, that's just what works for you. Maybe for me, my day ends at five or six or whatever. And I know that you're going to be working at eight. You're going to be sending emails. I might wake up to a bunch of emails, but I know that unless anything was extremely urgent, it's totally fun that I didn't respond to you right away, you know, and even setting up, you know, team agreements, let's say. So having kind of guidelines about this is how as a team we work. This is how we operate. Uh, You know, maybe it's, deciding that between, I don't know, I'm just being random here, but like 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., those are our core working hours, let's say. And anything outside of that, there is that flexibility, but we're not expecting necessarily our colleagues to be immediately there for (laughs) if we need something. And then maybe we have, we create like a mechanism of if something is urgent, how do we identify that? Is it through a text message or a phone call or an email that has urgent in the subject line. Like what is it that is going to signify to your other colleagues that something is actually needing to be dealt with immediately. Right. And you create these standards of practice of how we operate as a team and everybody is involved and included and aware. And I think having conversations like that can, I know it it may sound like obvious or basic or simple, but, it can honestly relieve a lot of that like mental stress and pressure that we often even place on ourselves. You know, we, 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 most people want to do good work and want to be a good colleague and a good teammate. And so a lot of times we can place these pressures on ourselves. So as a leader, you can help alleviate some of that pressure by having these conversations and setting up these guidelines and these sort of team. And I emphasize the team aspect because again, teams work differently. So Mm -hmm. if you have your own team that, you know, for the most part, that's your group that you deal with and you interact with, that should be the group that you're having these conversations with. Think real carefully about what needs to be a blanket across the board policy and what can be things that are decided at a team level. Right. It's really about defining the boundaries, defining what we're doing to reduce the stress that individuals place on themselves and the anxiety because you're not sure what's expected, who's working. Exactly. That's one component, the whole expectations, the whole communication side of things. You know, another big component that I see a lot of is meetings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, people are in back to back to back meetings. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Microsoft did a study recently where they showed they did a brain scan. And when you have at least a little bit of break between meetings, it allows your brain to basically calm down, de-stress, 
go back to regular brain functioning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so even stuff like that, it's thinking about, well, how can we redesign, that's not sort of redesign, but like have these guidelines for meetings where maybe we have 20 minute meetings instead of 30 or 50 minute meetings. And again, it's also about how do we improve? How can we make our meetings better? How can we, you know, maybe we always ensure that we have an agenda and that there's one person leading the meeting and it's not like a free-for-all where we're keeping on track and we're sticking to the agenda people know what to expect when they come to the meeting they know what to bring information to bring you know what I mean like it's just it has a purpose you come away from the meeting has a purpose knowing that there was a reason for that so a lot of these things that I'm talking about really come down to the organization taking a really close look at what are the internal factors that are causing stress, overwhelm, anxiety, other issues on the employees. Mm-hmm. Every these are I use these two as the examples because they're pretty common across the board. Right. Um, but there may be other things affecting um, how things are, you know, how things are done in the workplace may be affecting the employees and and the wellness levels. Right. Sometimes it's hierarchical things and there's too much hierarchy mm-hmm. in an organization and it needs to be that may need to be changed you know there's you know I have surveys um, that I can provide to organizations that help them look at what are some of these internal factors mm-hmm. even things like um, probably like employees not knowing fully what's expected of them or have a clear sense of what their role is mm-hmm. or even how their role fits into the greater purpose of the organization. You know, things like that can affect, um, you know, a bit of the mental uh, wellness piece or or that feeling of my work here has a purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're seeing a lot more of the need for purpose mm-hmm. and for people to feel that what they do is valued and has a purpose uh, I think one of the great things to come out of the pandemic is that people realized what was important in life or mm-hmm. what was maybe more important in life, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of it was, you know, time with family, time with friends, work. Uh, a lot of people were realizing like, oh, maybe this isn't the most important thing in my life. Maybe I need to not work so much or change my relationship with work. Right. Um you know, and I, and also that, again, that, that purpose piece. And I think we also, this is something for sure we see in the younger generation, like the mm-hmm. Gen Z group that is now just coming into the workplace. They have a stronger sense of a need for a purpose that mm. what they like and meaning what they do has meaning in the world or, or within their world. Right. Um, so I, and again, this is one example of um, something that could be affecting somebody's mental health and well-being if they aren't clear on what their role is or what the expectations are of them um and again this can that's that's it it's a fairly easy fix right but if you're not looking for this or thinking about it or looking at it from how this could be affecting someone on on a wellness perspective you're going to totally miss it because a lot of the things that you're talking about are uh, kind of productivity, productivity topics. So we we talk about meetings sure. and we talk mm-hmm. about talking about how we're going to work from home and work from the in a hybrid way. We're talking about these in productivity senses, but 
it's such mm-hmm. an important aspect that I think isn't often discussed that all of these productivity mm-hmm. perspectives are also really looking at your health perspective because mm-hmm. if you don't have a clear vision of where you fit in if you don't have clear boundaries if you mm-hmm. don't if you're uh, running from one place to the next and don't really see the, what's the point and where the purpose is and going to the next meeting and don't have time to recharge between meetings mm-hmm. it's hugely stressful and, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 provokes a lot of anxiety um and also what you were saying about the the having purpose so that is something that has been thrown around a lot and especially with uh, the younger generation coming into the workplace and mm-hmm. sometimes people kind of roll their eyes and say well you know there's jobs that just need to be done maybe it's not mm-hmm. your childhood dream to be doing that yeah. job but it has to yeah. be done and you can certainly find satisfaction in it but yeah it but I think what you're referring to is not this type of dreamy you know purpose that I've no, been dreaming no, about no. my entire no. childhood but rather yeah. a clarity in how you impact is th- is that mm-hmm. that was kind mm-hmm. of more what I was hearing yeah. I think that yes, needs to be yes, reframed yes, yes. it's right it's not the I'm saving the world necessarily Mm -hmm. type of purpose, but even just, you know, it it could be for lower level roles, let's say, Uh, I mean, every, every role like affects things, but it it could just be, it could be as simple as explaining to an employee that when they do X, that means that the people who, let's say they're writing a report, I don't know, the people that that are reading the report are able to do Y, which means then Z can happen. Right. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes can be just showing within like the cog of the machinery, let's say, of the organization. This is where you fit in. And this is how your work is meaningful within this machinery of what we're doing as an organization. It's not necessarily, yeah, that whole like I'm solving, you know, world peace or whatever. Um, But it's that, yeah, within their within that structure, within the organization you know, you doing this means this person can do their job better or easier, mm-hmm. or they have that, that information to then share with so-and-so. And then this is what happens, right? right? It's it's explaining that type of, that's, that's what I was meaning. with. You, and you sometimes know. that's yeah, discussed exactly. in terms of motivation and how to motivate mm-hmm. employees to see their impact. But I yeah. think what, what you're saying, and I think you're so right, is that it's not just about motivation, but it's also mm-hmm. a feeling of satisfaction and, and also mm-hmm. a feeling of boundaries and knowing where things stand knowing what to expect a lot of our uh mm-hmm. our ability to not be stressed and to not feel anxious is to understand boundaries mm-hmm. and expectations absolutely um, so i'm yeah. wondering uh, in in what you're saying where would an organization start um to try to i mean these are all really good strategies that have been discussed before but i don't think have mm-hmm. been looked at in terms of improving wellness and helping Mm -hmm. uh, individuals in their level of stress and anxiety and overall Mm -hmm. wellness but where should a company begin to start taking a a sense of where they're at and what they should be changing so great question I'm going to take it a step backwards in that the company and the the company as an entity let's say or the leaders really Mm -hmm. have to be bought in and fully invested in this idea that wellness matters and that wellness is is um, affected by the organization as a whole and that there are internal factors that are affecting a person's wellness and that they then want to do something about it 
mm-hmm. and make are willing to have a you know critical look evaluate be honest with themselves about them maybe or the organization like how things are structured it's not necessarily about one person per se right um but about like the culture let's say or how individuals uh sometimes it's even policy things or procedural things like it's not always just about you know uh, a specific individual Mm -hmm. um but you know the leaders themselves really need to decide that this is something that they actually want to care about and leaders that you've seen who've been you know not seeing this (laughs) who who maybe didn't recognize this yeah what do you think is one point that helps them to realize that this is something they should pay attention to if they've been maybe not seeing it or resisting yeah it's so tough because a lot of times like we can spout off all the statistics we want um I think it often really comes down to understanding that the people like your employees are the things that make your business work and run Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we can't keep going at the same pace and going at the same way, like working the way that we've been working. It's honestly becoming not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And we see that absolutely with the levels of burnout and the stress and the people quitting and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's, it's really just having their eyes open to that and, and realizing that there are things that, that can be done to, to change it. And that, um, you know, their employees are the most important thing. I think a lot of times employees are seen as dispensable or, um, they should be grateful, you know, to have a job and they're getting a salary. And because they're getting your salary, they should just be, you know, working hard and doing the things. And, you know, I think it's really that that's where like that, like EQ, emotional intelligence mm-hmm. piece comes into play. Um, you know, I think with leaders that have a higher level of emotional intelligence, that's where we are going to see them care a bit more. It's mm-hmm. the ones that have, like you were talking about that old school mentality of, this is what work is like and just suck it up. <laughs> uh, you know, and it, it's, it's hard to change a mindset. And, and that's really, I think what it comes down to is, is mm-hmm. changing that mindset. Um, I don't think there's a magic bullet to change the mindset. I think it has to happen over time. And that person, there's just has to be something honestly that just clicks within them. Mm-hmm. Um, but once it does, then, you know, really good things can happen. So um, back to your question, I think once, the leadership is on board with, we really want to have a culture of wellness. We really want to make sure that um, our people are the healthiest they can be because they understand that that's directly tied with performance. Health and wellness are very much linked together as you have talked mm-hmm. about at the beginning, right? I think one of the, for me, what I see in my work, one of the biggest things that a company can do is really, like I was talking about, looking at those internal factors. So um, sending out some surveys to their employees, um, you know, anonymously usually works best. Um, and then having leaders talk to their teams and and having these, these conversations to really get down to what is it that's really causing a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And if it is things like 
the the over overwhelm okay well, and then dig deep right how what is it about the overwhelm is it that there is too much work or is it that you don't have enough time to do your work because you're in back-to-back meetings and how important are these meetings and how can we maybe change that or is there a different um you know I hear a lot of times that now with like um all the different tools that are out there you know there's there's email there's slack there's teams there's the chatting there's the the virtual meetings and like people are often overwhelmed because there's even too many communication channels that's right right absolutely so that could be a thing that you that comes out in a conversation where we have too many communication channels and I literally am just keeping up with the communication instead of doing my work yes having abundant choice is not always a good thing exactly so then it's maybe a conversation of okay as a team or as a, you know, you know, this group of us that work together, what is going to be our main methods of communication? How is it that we're going to do these, these pieces? Mm-hmm. And it is a little bit like you talked about in terms of that productivity perspective, but again, it does, it is so linked to the wellness piece because it is linked to the overwhelm, let's say. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, that's one example. So um, yeah, just really looking at a lot of those factors and and a lot of the work that I do is helping organizations figure out how to look at what the internal factors are in mm-hmm. terms of what's causing the uh, the high level of stress and overwhelm and anxiety. Um, but that would be what I would I would that's one of the most important places to start is looking within and looking at um, again like you briefly mentioned it that shared responsibility because mm-hmm. um, I think I've been having s- such great conversations recently with other people who have podcasts and other leaders in, in the HR space. And I think we, again, like I mentioned, we are in an exciting time where there's a lot of opportunity to change how we operate. And um, this is one of those areas, right? So yeah, it's, so it's taking, great. We, yeah, sorry. So taking stock and really analyzing where mm-hmm. is the stress, where are the pain points? Mm-hmm. How can mm-hmm. we work better together? How can we create boundaries? Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. also talk about the fact that this looking at wellness holistically, not just saying, yeah. oh, we offer yoga classes, we offer um, yeah. whatever other kind of uh, short term bursts of wellness uh, you have, mm-hmm. you, you can offer. How mm-hmm. do you work once you've looked at all the pain points and worked mm-hmm. out structurally how things should function better to be less stressful? Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. other aspects that an organization can bring in? Maybe meditation, maybe yoga, I don't know. But what are some things that they can mm-hmm. build in to really improve the environment? Yeah, so I think um, that's that's a great question. So yeah, the, um, I had lost my train of thought, but I got it back. But basically the idea, I'm seeing a trend where now finally organizations are realizing that the individual can't be solely responsible for Mm-hmm. Just like for their wellness they absolutely have a role to play in how they manage things personally but I'm really happy to see many organizations uh looking internally and being like okay we have a role to play um but that being said absolutely the individual has their own role to play I think um you know some education is important for sure supporting employees on aspects about stress management, for example, uh, like I talked about sleep, some stuff can be tied into, you know, the total rewards packages that, that people have, right? So maybe there's dollars for people to 
spend, you know, on fitness equipment, either, you know, to buy stuff for their home um, or to pay for gym memberships or these types of things. I've seen a lot of companies invest in memberships for things like, uh, you know, the uh, meditation uh, apps like Calm or Headspace. Mm-hmm. I actually was just talking to somebody who uh, at Microsoft, they have um, a Headspace membership and it's integrated in with Teams. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually set up, uh, I guess there's something you can, something in the settings that at a certain time of day, a little message pops up and it says like, how about, you know, let's take a virtual commute. And then it leads you through a 10 minute meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of technology out there that I think we can use to our benefits. Um, there's a lot out there like we just talked about that can just add to the noise <laughs> um, but there's a lot I think we can you know use technology to it for greater good purposes I like the fact that it pops up out of nowhere yeah and exactly. it, you know it really does build into the environment and into the system so yeah. it makes it easy for yeah. you to remember absolutely for me one of the things I always talk about is boundaries which we've both mm-hmm. mentioned a few times so you know maybe talking to people about boundaries and what that looked like I think from what I've experienced in, in talking to employees, we as adults have been very, um, I don't even know what the word would be, but basically we, we have learned to not have any boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to learn now learn how to create boundaries and how to set up boundaries and talk about that more. One of the other things too, um, that isn't quite related to your question, but I wanted to, to bring up was the idea of leaders creating performance metrics for leaders that relate to their employees' wellness. Mm. What would that look like? So, for example, uh, one of the things that I was talking about with uh, a leader that what they do at their organization is that the metric is uh, vacation days, for example. Like, did your employee take all their vacation days or X, I don't know the exact specifics, but X amount of vacation days or all their vacation days. And if they didn't, that actually reflects negatively on that leader. So they are expected as part of their performance appraisal to ensure that their employees are taking their vacation time. And I thought that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's one example of what it could be like. Um, you know, managing workload, that's a little bit, you have to figure out how you measure that. It could be in terms of maybe overtime, are your employees working too much overtime? So then that maybe then reflects badly on you. Even though a lot of times we think, oh, great overtime, we're getting more out of our employees. It's actually a negative thing, probably because it means they're working too much and they're Mm going to be too, they're going to get burnt out or stressed out or overwhelmed. So it's, it's things like that. So I think that again, is, is it where we need to look? What are the important metrics that we can be looking at? And how can we tie that to the performance of the leaders and making sure that as a leader, they are being held responsible and have some level of accountability and responsibility for the wellness of their employees. From the individual side, most people know the things that they need to do. Um, So they may need help or support in the how to do it. So even things like if you have money in the total rewards package for a nutritionist or a dietitian, or even, even things like a naturopath. A lot of times naturopaths are, are minimally or rarely covered 
Um, so maybe it's increasing the coverage for that. Right. So providing the support that individuals know they need. If yeah, they want. absolutely. Or even like psychological help. Talking to a psychotherapist is not cheap. And I know EAP programs exist, but they're often fairly minimal and it's not a lot of sessions. And so I think there are some things that can be built into what is offered from like a benefits perspective. And then there are some things that it's hard for me to say something like they should offer, you know, a Zumba class. Like if nobody is going to be interested in Zumba, then why would you do it? Right. And that's again, where you need to like survey your people, talk to your people, figure out what it is that they want, and then go from there. One of the probably common things that an organization does is try and create a lot of extra programming that then isn't used. Again, open the communication, find out what people really exactly, need and want. Exactly. And, and that o- often less is more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? Like people would probably rather have a culture where they are more free to take a lunch break than if you offered a fitness class at lunchtime. Oh, right? True. Also, let me just say, stop offering things at lunch. Uh, years ago, I stopped offering my sessions at lunchtime. I am now against the lunch and learn concept. Mm-hmm. I think that if a company is invested in their employees' health, well-being, the learning side with you know all the stuff mm-hmm. that you do, it's on company time. People shouldn't, because what happens is that people use their lunch hour to participate in the thing and they don't actually then take a separate lunch time and they don't take time off. So then really we're asking them to take their own personal time for this thing that is beneficial to them from a work perspective um, and using their own free time to do it. And I just, for me, it, it was really a clash of my values and it clashed with exactly what I talk about (laughs) Mm -hmm. and how I teach how to be well and so anyway so I stopped offering it um and uh I do see less and less of the lunch and learn thing which is great I think that's good um but it definitely is I think something for people to to be aware of that you know if we're going to offer things then we need to be offering them on company time yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. And there's, it's so important to have just some time to completely disconnect and maybe have yeah. a chat or go for a walk. That's very, very important. But as an individual, uh, I mean, there's yeah. so many, you described a lot of really important things to think about and look at in terms of the mm-hmm. system and tying it back to measurable outcomes that are, you know, people are held accountable for, which is really important because learning mm-hmm. as well, it's one of those things that you offer learning but actually, mm-hmm. if it's never linked to some kind mm-hmm. of measurable outcome, then it, uh, it it falls to it can fall to the wayside um, very mm-hmm. often. But as an individual, what do you think are some really good tips to help your stress and well-being? Oh, my goodness. Do we have to? I mean, there's so many. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, kidding, I'm kidding. Taking a walk, um, taking a breath, yeah, yeah. all of those so, things. But okay. maybe something that we haven't thought of. Honestly, first of all, there's nothing new necessarily. But I think what is mis- often misunderstood is this idea of our nervous system. Okay. And I think this is definitely something that we need to be talking about more. It sounds like weird and sciencey and people don't really understand, but it's basically the idea that for the most part, I would say generally, especially during work hours and sometimes even outside of work hours, people are operating in a fight or flight 
nervous system mm-hmm. activation. That is uh, your sympathetic nervous system. And the problem with that is that your body is not designed physiologically to be in that state for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. As you know, if we go back to like primitive times, cavemen or whatever you want to say, you know, we were, we have this nervous system thing where if there's danger, our body will activate, we get high adrenaline, high cortisol, it gives us that like jolt where we can run away from the perhaps literal bear or tiger, uh, right? <laughs> and then, you know, we escape, we're good, and then we calm back down again. What happens now, um, unfortunately, our nervous system, the amygdala in our brain and how that all functions has not evolved to our society as it is now. So it still functions in that primitive aspect. So we have this fight or flight mode that's activated when our body senses danger or stress. And for most people, it's activated all day long because Mm -hmm. all day long they are feeling stressed and anxious and their body is just sensing that this danger is, is there. It's, it's like a psychological mm-hmm. danger, essentially. And so what people need to do, the really honestly, other than sleep, which I am a very big proponent of people getting enough sleep, um, one of the most important things that somebody can do to help with their health is get themselves out of that fight or flight mode as often as possible throughout their day. And one of the best ways to do that is through deep breathing. And so, and which is often usually linked to a meditation. So if you want to do a meditation with the deep breathing, cool. If you want to just take a pause and do even like two minutes of deep breathing, it's honestly going to make a difference. Um, It's also not just the deep breathing, but looking for those moments of your day where you can calm your body down and get yourself into the rest and relax state, that parasympathetic state. The more often we can do that in our day, the better it's going to be for our bodies, for our brains. So again, it's going to look different for everybody, but it can be as simple as taking a break and stepping away and leaving your computer and leaving your phone and just even going outside on your porch. I know it's winter right now and it's cold, getting some sunshine on your face and breathing, right? Doing something to just calm your body down. Also, that's where maybe a meditation can be more helpful where you're, I like a guided meditation because I like to listen to somebody talking to me because then it takes me out of my brain and my thoughts. Mm-hmm. So that can be very helpful. But yes, calming your body down from that like actual physical sense is really going to make a big difference, even if your brain is still kind of going on overdrive. Two things for the the brain overdrive. One is like a brain dump. So writing out all the things that are on your mind at that given moment and then either doing something with it, doing nothing with it, however you want to deal with that list. Um, Another thing I talk about in my workshop on stress is decatastrophizing. So basically a lot of times we (laughs) over-exaggerate the implications that something is going to have and and we catastrophize things, uh, things a lot. And so you know, thinking about the thing that we're worried about and really kind of talking it through in terms of like, first off, what is the likelihood that it's going to happen? And then secondly, you know, if it does happen, what's the worst thing that could happen if that thing were to occur? And then also, uh, you know, if that does happen and the worst thing does happen, well, what are you going to do about it? 
And so kind of setting yourself up in terms of even a little mini action plan of the thing that you're worried about. Um, you know, one of the highest causes of stress is a feeling of uh, lack of control. And so if you can take some control back with this thing that you're worried about or just in, in a few other areas, um, that can, you know, that can be really helpful. Um, I mean, there's so many, so many different things. One of the things that isn't talked about enough is laughter and finding joy. And so I highly encourage people to do that. Seek out something funny. Seek out something that brings you joy. It doesn't have to be a long thing or take too much time. Um, but having that moment of joy, having uh, a time when you can be actually laughing out loud in your day is really good for the really good for the body, for sure. Really important. Yeah. I really like that. Writing out your anxieties, putting it all on paper, taking off the burden um, and the deep breathing and of course, getting out and walking. When you say deep breathing and meditation, mm -hmm. what does it mean to do deep breathing? What are some of the key sure. aspects of it? Because people yeah. who don't meditate and, you know, you like take a deep breath and out and okay, I should yeah. be okay. <laughs> but there are some, yeah. some techniques that help, yes. I think. Yes. So one of the most common and easiest ones that you can do is box breathing. And it, I guess it's called that because you're like visualizing making a box essentially. But basically you're breathing in through your nose and you want to take as deep of a breath as possible. So a lot of times we're chest breathing and you want to try and have that breath basically come in, go past the chest, go past the lungs and into your belly. So your belly, you know, a lot of times, especially women, we like suck in our bellies. Uh, but this is, you want your belly to be expanding. So you're breathing in. Uh, for let's say four or five seconds then you're actually going to hold that breath mm -hmm. for four or five seconds then you're going to breathe out through the mouth for four or five seconds really get all of that air out of the body and then you're actually going to not do anything for four or five seconds uh, you're not going to die don't worry <laughs> um <laughs> yes. so basically it's in hold out hold or pause uh, for four seconds each. And again, that's where the sort of concept of a box comes in. You're sort of making a square with your breath, I guess. Um, however you want to view it. I like to count because for me, the counting keeps me focused on the activity mm -hmm. as opposed to anything else that I'm worried about. Exactly. And so I, I really would important. count, like I would even count to four, like one, two, three, four, and then one, you know, repeat, right? So um, there's even, again, there are lots of tools and apps out there. I'm pretty sure if you Google box breathing, there's even like a little circle, like a thing that I've seen these before. They're like gifts almost. It like pops up on your screen and it's like a circle that gets bigger and then it goes smaller and then bigger. So there's either things things like um, the Fitbits, the Apple watches, I'm pretty sure these types of technologies have a breathing function that can guide you through it. Um, but it really is as simple as that. And it's so helpful as you're visualizing it and thinking it through, then it clears your mind. So the way I like to explain it in my workshop is that it is the only thing over which we have conscious control in terms of all of the effects that happen within our body when our amygdala is activated and our body goes into fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So all the other things that happen. So our adrenaline goes up, cortisol, more cortisol is released. Um, 
more blood goes to our muscles, our generally our breathing does get shallow. Um, all these things we can't control. Like I, I can't tell my body to stop the blood from going to my muscles, <laughs> right? Uh, I can't yeah. tell my body to slow down the cortisol or the adrenaline release. Right. The only, but the only thing I can do is the breathing. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, again, we are, we are signaling to our body that there isn't danger that our body can calm down. It's okay. Like, it's like basically telling our body like, okay, chill out. Like it's no, there's no danger. We don't need to be activated. Like mm-hmm. we can, we can calm down. Um, and so it's one of those things though, that I feel people don't really get until they do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and like I said, two minutes generally is enough time to make a difference in the body. Um, if you just do like a couple breaths, it's probably not going to do too much. Um, but if you take a, you know, a good solid two minutes, which will potentially feel like forever, but isn't, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it will make a difference. Um, and again, it, it's, it's really, I think, I think the other piece that is very much related to this is people should start becoming more self-aware mm-hmm. of their bodies. Our bodies are constantly talking to us. And as adults, we have become very good at ignoring the signal mm-hmm. and ignoring the signs and not listening to often that gut feeling, so to speak. Um, our bodies are commun- do communicate with us. And I think the more we pay attention to it and pay attention to what that looks like, it can be beneficial, right? So when we are feeling stressed, there are often physical manifestations. So it could be, you know, the typical sweaty palms thing, but it's not always. Sometimes it's that pit in your stomach or it's uh, a headache or it's you're super hungry or you're not hungry. Um, These types of things. And I think a lot of times because we've become a little more mentally uh, acclimatized to stress Mm -hmm. that we are unaware of the fact that our bodies are still physically feeling the stress. Right. And so if we can become more aware of when our bodies are more physically affected, Mm -hmm. that can often help us realize like, oh, my body's actually feeling stressed. And then that's where we look to the various techniques to reduce the stress that we're feeling. So whether it's the deep, decatastrophizing or the breathing or doing a meditation or a body scan or taking that break, taking that time away, whatever it is, various things that we can be doing. We don't know to do it unless we're aware that we need it, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think, and it takes practice. It's making that conscious effort to start checking in with yourself physically um, because the physical signs are often there. I mean, there are cognitive things as well having trouble making decisions or not wanting to make decisions, poor memory. Um, these types of things can be signs that you're stressed. Behavioral things, obviously, you know, a lot of times we think, you know, the lashing out or the impatience or anger, quick to anger. Again, these are things where it's not that we're just necessarily like, oh, I'm just having a bad day. It's that, yeah, your body is like under stress right now. And learning to see the signs 
And what also is really good about being more self-aware is that we can often then over time learn to see what the triggers are. And once we know what the triggers are, we can then figure out, is there a way to deal with that trigger? And how can we reduce the frequency of that trigger happening? But again, a lot of it really starts with that self-awareness piece. It can feel overwhelming because you're like, I just don't know. But it just it's baby steps one day at a time. You're not going to get it perfect. You're not going to be able to, if you're really used to not listening to your body, it's not going to happen right away. Um, but just just take it one day at a time. And again, it's 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 that intention to yeah. do to do this, to be more aware. Mm-hmm. Set the intention for yourself to be more aware and over time it will absolutely happen. Mm, fantastic. And I do like that idea of scheduling it in, putting it in your alarm sure. or into your calendar, a, a three, yeah. five minute little slot yeah. uh, throughout the day to be able to yeah. breathe, check yeah. in, um, calm down, calm your body down a little bit, which is uh, so even important. just to know, like know your baseline or know mm-hmm. where you're at, maybe even at different times of the day or different situations or just to, again, it, it's also the whole point of what I was saying about that is even just for the practice, yeah. literally just a practice of the, the checking in and, and paying attention mm-hmm. um, because the more you, we right, everything's a skill. This, this is a skill to learn. The more we practice it, the better we get at it. Yeah. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, before we end, I mean, you shared a lot of really great tips and insights, both organizationally and as an individual. But before we leave, I just wanted to touch on this idea of gray mindset that you talk about, because it's the new year. And I think it's a time of year where both in terms of our personal lives and our work lives, we create these all in resolutions. Mm -hmm, So can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that gray mindset (laughs) and why it's important? Yeah. So it's a gray zone mindset. And so it's a term that I've coined. Basically, it's the idea that getting out of that all or nothing mindset, the black or white mentality, where a lot of times from a wellness perspective, usually, especially on the side of fitness and nutrition, and definitely at this time of year, Uh, you know, the new year with the resolutions, like new year, new me and all that stuff, where we often set very lofty goals (laughs) for ourselves Mm -hmm. that are just not reasonable. They're not sustainable. And so the idea is that we are striving to not live in the black or white, but live in the gray area. And the gray Mm -hmm. area is where real life happens. It's basically the concept of choosing consistency over perfection right? A lot of times we, again, set this expectation, set this pressure on ourselves to be perfect all the time. And we equate, you know, perfection with good health. And if I eat perfectly, then I'm going to be super healthy and everything's going to be great. And if I exercise five days a week, I'm going to be really healthy. And a lot of times it's not even fully necessary. We can absolutely be very healthy from that physical standpoint with a sort of 80-20 type of rule, let's say, where 80% of the time, you're doing the things that are beneficial for you. And 20% of the time, you're not really worrying about it. And you're not stressing over what you're eating, or if you're not exercising that day, or whatever the situation is. The other piece of the gray zone mindset is viewing healthy living as a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so really taking that long, like you talk about lifelong learning, it's basically lifelong healthiness. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Healthy living forever. And not just for um, 
I'm doing a photo shoot or I want to get into the bikini this summer or I'm going away for Christmas vacation. So Mm -hmm. I want to look good or whatever. It's I'm choosing to be healthy all year long, which is why I have my business called Fit and Healthy 365 is the idea that all year long we are making choices that will be improving our health. Again, from the consistency idea, not the perspective perfection idea yes I really like that to not look at perfection but to look at consistency and Mm -hmm. the fact that you're not always going to be making that perfect choice because there's reasons for you not to and you don't have to to take that stress away from yourself you don't live in a vacuum and and there's good reasons to not always maybe you don't get a full night's sleep for a very good reason maybe you you know you didn't exercise for very good reasons um, yeah. or not very good reasons, but now you choose yeah. to do differently and to take that exactly. stress away. Exactly. But, uh, but I do like that, that it's not all or nothing, especially at this time of year where mm-hmm. we feel like we're setting all these goals and uh, so many aspects of life that are absolute perfection and all or nothing mm-hmm. kind of goals mm-hmm. um, yeah. to look at it in little chunks. So Absolutely. we'll be thinking about the gray zone mindset, <laughs> Lydia. Yes. That's really, really Yay. good. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to hear about all these different ways that wellness is holistic and it's an environment and individually as well as organizationally and societally, we should be thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if anybody would like to get in touch with you and work with you, how can how can Mm -hmm. they reach out? Yeah, so LinkedIn uh, is probably the best way to actually reach me. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn, Lydia DiFrancesco. I know you've got the link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, you can also check out my website, fithealthy365.com. Um, but yeah, reach out. I'm always happy to have conversations and uh, I'm really looking to help people make an impact. And I think, you know, this coming year, 2023, it's going to be a good year. I think, again, like I said, we have lots of opportunities. So uh, hopefully we'll all seize them in the way that is, is going to be beneficial for us individually and for our organizations that we work for. And um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a great year. Do you have any recommendations for someone who would want to read or watch something on this topic that you find really helpful? Oof, oh my goodness. Um, yes, I would suggest one of the, this is like, it might sound like a strange recommendation, but I really think mindset is mm-hmm. a huge part of uh, wellness and just becoming more well on a variety of aspects. So I would recommend Carol Dweck's book, it is called mindset, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, a, it's about the abundance mindset versus scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think there is a lot of power in having an abundant mindset. And I think just even from a society perspective, I think if we more of us had an abundant mindset, we would see a lot of positive change within within our society. So um, that's, that's going to be my recommendation. That's great. That's very much something that is often talked about in the world of learning, the growth mm-hmm. mindset, the abundant mm-hmm. mindset rather than Mm -hmm. the limiting mindset, but it expands. You're absolutely right. It expands far Mm -hmm. beyond learning into so many aspects of life, including our wellness. Mm -hmm. So thank Mm -hmm. you. Yes, that's a great book. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Lydia. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. So great chatting. Bye.